are continuing our series called Disciple. And how many wants to be a disciple of Jesus? And we've talked uh, last week a little bit about what's expected of a disciple, some foundational things. I want to continue that vein today about uh, discipleship essentials. And uh, a disciple is someone who follows a teacher or a rabbi, imitating them and living out their teachings, learning from them. And I wanna today give us a little bit of a background of of where discipleship came from. And I, I wanna encourage us to make sure that we are disciples of Jesus. And I talked about this a little bit, but anybody can call themselves a Christian. It's kind of a nice umbrella term that uh, basically can mean a lot of things, right? Can mean I go to church, can mean I believe certain things about Jesus. And you can call yourself a Christian and get by with a lot. Have you noticed that? I think 70% of this country calls themselves Christians. And I would just ask, is 70% of this country living like Christians? I don't know. But here's what I want to encourage us. Before they were called Christians, they were called disciples. And we want to be disciples of Jesus. And this comes from a practice, an ancient practice that happened in Israel. And at the age of five, Jewish boys were sent to what was called Beth Sephirin, Beth Beth Sephirin. And it is here that they would learn to read and write using the Torah, which was the first five books of the Old Testament. They would learn the very basics of Scripture, and they would memorize the entire Torah. They would memorize the entire first five books of the Old Testament. So you kids that go to MAPS Bible class know that I am not being too hard on you. And about 10% of those as they got older, they would go on to what was called Bet Talmud. And it's here that they would learn and memorize the entire Old Testament. So not only just the the first five, but they would uh, learn the prophetic writings, the Psalms, Proverbs, those, those writings. They would learn the entire Old Testament. And at the age of 13, there was this crossroads of a Jewish boy as what he would do in life, and 99.9% of them would go into a trade. They would become an apprentice and, and go into some type of trade. But a very small percentage of them, a minuscule amount of them, would continue on in their religious education, and they would apply to follow a rabbi. And a rabbi would check them out. He would check out whether they could hack it. He would check out whether they could Uh, They had the intellectual ability to do this. He would see if they were up to the task. And if he believed that they were up to the task, here's what he would say. Come, follow me. And they would be accepted as a disciple or a Talmudim, as they were called. And they would follow the rabbi everywhere he went until one day they got to the point where they would have their own disciples and train them in the way of the rabbi. And that is what's happening when Jesus walks up to ordinary fishermen. 
with very limited amount of education. And he comes to people like Peter, Andrew, Matthew, and says, come, follow me. He's saying, come, be my disciple. And they did not fit the description. They did not have the academic credentials, but Jesus chose them anyway to be his disciples. And aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't choose us based on what we have to offer, but he sees us on what we can become if he just spends a little time with us. And I wanna tell you, if you can learn to follow Jesus, if you can learn just to spend a little bit of time of Jesus, the possibilities are endless. Can I get a good snowy, cold amen today? And, and there, there are four things a disciple would do. I think we have a, a screen for this. Number one, they would memorize the words of their rabbi. They would memorize the words. Of, that's why we can believe that our scripture is reliable. As, as disciples, these guys, when they heard Jesus say something, no doubt somebody was writing it down. And a lot of times they probably just memorized it from what they heard the first time around. Number two, they would adopt the worldview of their rabbi. They would know what he thought about different topics, different situations, and they would adopt that into their life. Number three, they would imitate the practice of their rabbi. How did he live out his life? How did he live out loving his neighbor? How did he live out ethically and, and so on, morally? And they would imitate that. <clears throat> And then number four, they committed to making disciples of their rabbi. A key component of discipleship isn't following Jesus and sitting in a pew and staring at the back of someone's head the rest of your life like a good Christian. It's going out and making disciples. And if you're not making disciples, you're not doing it right. How's that for a statement this morning. And I don't know about you, but that challenges me. Am I making disciples? Are we making disciples? And I wanna talk today about foundational movements to becoming a disciple. If you're here today and you wanna be a disciple of Jesus, there's some foundational things in the process. And we're gonna take a few weeks to, to talk all about what it is to be a disciple. But a disciple of Jesus means that we study his words we imitate his ways and we partner in his mission. We study his words, we imitate his ways and we partner in his mission. And one of the first things that it's going to take for you to be a disciple of Jesus, and that's what we're doing in these 21 days, is this, you have to deny yourself. You know what that means? That means you have to tell yourself no. Does anybody here just love to tell yourself no? Please raise your hand so that we can rebuke the lying spirit that's moving through you. And that's what fasting is all about. It's about telling yourself no. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, he says, if anyone would come after me, in other words, if anyone would be my disciple, let him what? Everybody say it. Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, now let me put that in a 2024 version. Can I do that? If anyone wants to come after me, 
let him deny himself, take up his electric chair, and follow me. That's what Jesus is saying. If you wanna be my disciple, you're gonna have to meet the end of you. You're gonna have to deny yourself. Discipleship is the constant act of denying yourself and saying, God, what do you want? God, what's your kingdom? God, what's your view? And, and that starts with this, repentance. Everybody in here needs to repent. There are no exceptions. Everybody needs to repent. Jesus said, he says, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Yeah. And we, we reach the point where we're done with us when we truly repent. When we turn back from what we want, when we turn back from what we think, when we turn back from what our affections are towards and we say, God, I'm giving my life to you. I'm giving my life completely to you. That is the point of repentance. Repentance has three components. There's an intellectual change. We change our views. Getting back to what disciples did, they, they took on the worldview of their rabbi. And if you're gonna follow Jesus, you gotta learn to think like Jesus. What does that mean? That means everything that I do, I've gotta put through the filter of, could I explain this to Jesus? Could I somehow justify this to Jesus? You see, somebody who calls themselves just a generic Christian thinks it's all about going to church on Sunday, sending off the right signals, and doing the right religious things. But a disciple gives every part of their life, mind, soul, body, and spirit, to Jesus Christ. And as situations outside of this building, which more clearly indicate whether we are a disciple or not. And so there's an intellectual change. There's an emotional change. We change our feelings. We change our passions. We change what excites us. What drives us? The things that used to drive us don't drive us anymore when we become a true disciple. We become about the mission and the kingdom of God. There's a volitional change. We, we change our purpose. We change what our life is all about. And all of that happens at repentance. Now, I wanna tell you, re repentance isn't just coming to an altar and crying. It's about changing your life. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say this, there, there's some people that came up here that they, they go through all the emotional stuff and sometimes people ask me, well, do you think they were sincere? And my answer is this, well, we'll find out. We'll find out. Sometimes people ask me, do you think so-and-so saved? We'll find out. We'll find out if, if they're a disciple or not. You know how we're gonna find out when you're a disciple? When the hard stuff comes. When... The trial comes, when the temptation comes. That's when we find out who is legit and who isn't. And discipleship, we, we, I gave this quote last week. It is long obedience in the same direction. Day in, day out, following Jesus. Are you glad that you know some people in your life that you don't have to wonder where they're at one day to the next they are completely committed 
to the call of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's like the, the song goes, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, I have decided to follow. Is that anybody's testimony today? Has anybody decided to follow Jesus? When we repent, we recognize our sin and we express sorrow for it. Now, I don't believe that God shames us into repentance, but I do believe that there's a healthy amount of shame that we should feel for our sin. If you're not ashamed of your sin, you need to question your passion. Where's your passion at? Because the conviction of the Holy Spirit won't make us feel shame, but we will have shame towards our sin. And the good news is that Jesus can take that from us. And the number one enemy of discipleship, very, very important, the number one enemy of discipleship is sin because you cannot follow Jesus. As we talked about last week, you, you cannot follow him so closely that the sand of his feet hits your feet and have sin harboring in your life. We've gotta give up that lifestyle of sin. We've gotta give up the, the mindsets that drive us to sin. If we are going to be disciples of Jesus. Sin is an enemy of discipleship in my life. And here, we, we still talk about sin. We still preach against sin. You know why? Because we're, we're not helping anybody if we're giving people license to do what is preventing discipleship in their life. What is preventing them from being a disciple? And the reason we preach against sin is that we wanna be disciples of Jesus. And you cannot be a disciple of Jesus and love sin simultaneously. We gotta pray, Lord, give me a hatred for sin in my life. Now, I wanna be very clear, not a hatred of people, a hatred of sin. How many of us that we can separate sin and people? But God, give me, give me a hatred, and the sin that we should hate the most is my sin. And one of the traps that Satan will use is for me to become more passionate about your sin than mine. But a disciple is continually inspecting themselves, looking at themselves in the mirror of God's word, and praying, Lord, if there's any sin in my life, take it from me. Can we do that right now? Lord, if there's any pride in my life, if there's any sin in my life, take it from me today. Lord, I pray, purge us, renew us, cleanse us, make us in your image. Lord, as your disciples, Lord, we wanna constantly be turning away from sin. What is sin? Well, sin is acting or behaving in a way that does not conform with God's character or commands. It's acting in a way that does not conform to God's character or his commands. And here's what you, you have to hate sin and you have to simultaneously pray, God, give me a love for your word. Give me a love for your truth. 
What's the word of God say? It says, buy the truth and sell it not. That's the commodity, the ultimate commodity in life is the truth. It's the only thing that will be with you on your deathbed that matters, the truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. And we're, we're constantly at war with sin. It is sin that makes us doubt God. It is sin that makes us disobey. It is sin that pulls us away. Uh, the, the writer of Hebrews says it's like a, a weight that, that drags us and, and it makes us drag and it, it slows us down. If you're here today, and I really believe this, a lot of the depression that we deal with sometimes is just good old-fashioned sin. And you need to let go of that sin. As the song said, I'm feeling so much better since I laid my burdens down. Well, you know what a major burden is? It's your sin. And you need to come to a good old-fashioned altar and you need to lay it and you need to leave it and you need to go out these doors and say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm leaving the world behind me. You cannot live in the freedom of discipleship and love sin simultaneously. And so when Jesus invites us to take up his cross, he's inviting us to turn from sin and live a free life in him. We die to sin through confession. You gotta confess it. You gotta say, Lord, I, I have failed you. And, and, and sometimes it, it is uh, freeing to name specific sins. And then I wanna lead to, to the next uh, uh, point that I have today. The first point, maybe I, I missed it. Disciples repent. Disciples repent of their sin. The second thing disciples do, disciples are water baptized. Amen. Disciples are water baptized. There is a washing that happens after repentance. You see, at repentance, the penalty of sin is taken away, but at water baptism, the record of sin is taken away. How many would like to have your record, what's the legal term, expunged? Wiped clean? Where you can legally say, I don't know what you're talking about. Go to the courthouse and dig all you want to. You won't find it. Right. Why? Because it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on. Does anybody want to? Is anybody excited when we talk about this? You should get excited when we talk about this. Why? Because this is eternity. This is salvation. And, and we are baptized in the name of our rabbi Jesus. The record of sin is expunged. And that's why it's, it's so incredible to see when people step into that water and I get a front row seat. Does anybody else get joy anytime there's a water baptism? Why? There's another record that's about to be washed clean. I have a friend, he was baptizing somebody in his church and, and they lived a very reckless, rough lifestyle before coming to Jesus and they asked him for permission they said, I, I want to do something when I get in the water. And they literally wrote down everything they could think of that they had done. How many knows that's brave? <laughs> yeah. And they tore it up 
And they said, when I get baptized, I want to tear this up and I want to be baptized in the middle of that mess to be reminded me of what's happening today. Amen, Amen somebody. Because oh, yeah. that's what happens. Yes. Adulteries wiped away, washed away. Lying's washed away. Any, any crime you've committed, washed away. Any thought, anything within our sin nature is washed away at water baptism. What, what did Peter say on the day of Pentecost? People were asking, what should we do? And what they were really asking is, how can we become disciples? And Peter says this, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the taking away of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for this promise is to you, to your children and all that are far off. And if you're wondering who that is, that's you and I. We're far off. As many as the Lord God will call. And that's good news because God's calling you today. If you're watching online, God's calling you today. God's saying, I want you. I want to change your life. I want you to be my disciple. Come and follow me. And I want you to see the response in verse 41. That those who gladly received his word were what? Baptized. Disciples get baptized. Notice like nobody stood up and, and wanted to argue. And then no one said, hey, is it, is it all right if we just repent and, and we're not baptized? Do we really have to be baptized? The disciples don't ask questions like that. Disciples obey. Disciples simply hear and obey the word of God. And that's what they did. And what 3,000 souls were added to the church. And I just want to challenge you today. If you've never been water baptized, come see me. It's a great experience. It's not a have to. It's a get to. When I promise you when you leave the waters of baptism, you will be saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this experience. How many love that experience? How many can testify to the power the wonder-washing power of the blood of the Lamb. I wonder if we could just stand up, stretch those muscles, if we could raise our hands and say, thank you, Lord, that I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. We thank you, Jesus, that our record is clean. The penalty and the record of sin is gone in Jesus' name. That's a wonderful truth. Thank you, Jesus. You, you can be seated. John, John 3, 5, Jesus is talking to a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was, he was one of those 0.1 percenters in Israel who went on to become a disciple. And he actually became one of the leading rabbis in Israel. And Jesus told him, he says, Nicodemus, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. In other words, he, he's saying, Nicodemus, you, you have to go through this second birth. You need a new birth. You need to be born again. Everybody say born, born again. And this born again experience is a spiritual experience. Now we believe here that when he referred to water, he was referring to water baptism. And no, it's not the water that saves you. Of course not. It's faith in the God who died for you that saves you. 
And that's seen at water baptisms. That is the vehicle that Jesus gave us. You see, if, if you were a Gentile and you wanted to become a part of the Jewish faith before Jesus, and let's say somehow you came in contact with the Jewish scriptures and you became convicted in your heart that these are God's people and I wanna join myself to them and I wanna be a part of that kingdom. If you were a Gentile, you would come and you would take a bath and they would put you under water and they would recite some things over you and you would come up and you were thought to be born again. And you were a spiritual Jew. And so Jesus and John the Baptist, when they're beginning their movement, when they're making disciples, they take that tradition and apply it to a new birth that just doesn't make you into a spiritual race or a, a, a human race, if you will, but it translates you into a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. How many part glad that you're part of this kingdom, that you're part of this body? And so there's an initiation that takes place where no, we're, we're not just renouncing another race, we're renouncing an old lifestyle and we are being brought in and born again into the kingdom of God and what's pronounced over us is the name of our rabbi, Jesus. The name above every other name. As his disciples were baptized into his name. And so we are born of the water. And Nicodemus would have understood what Jesus was talking about because he was watching John the Baptist baptize people into repentance. And so we are, repent of our sins, we're water baptized. We are initiated into discipleship of following a rabbi. And that's why it's so important. I, I believe in private baptisms. I don't have a problem with that. But, but I really think it's, it's really really helpful to be publicly baptized because part of baptism is you're identifying with your discipleship as a, a follower of Jesus. And you're letting everybody know, I am a follower of Jesus. Acts twenty two sixteen. Paul, after he's converted, he meets a man named Ananias. And Ananias says this, now why are you waiting? Arise and what? Be baptized, wash away your sins. Now, do we believe that or not? I'll hear people teach about baptism and they'll basically put themselves through calisthenics and, and a pretzel to explain why that doesn't mean what it says. We believe it is a washing away of sins, that there's something spiritual that happens when I, when I get into that water. I can't explain it. I can't put it on a board, and I, I, I can't uh, explain it scientifically. You have to believe this by faith. Somebody say faith. When I get into to water baptisms, it's not me doing anything. It's expressing faith. God, I believe this is the mechanism that you have given us to wash our sins away. And so I call on the name of the Lord, believing that you paid the price for my sin. I want to take us to Acts chapter 19. Is this good today? How many of us, this is important. This is what the foundation of our discipleship. 
Acts chapter 19, and it happened when Apollos was at Corinth and Paul, having passed through the upper regions, they came to Ephesus, Ephesus and finding some what? Disciples. Remember, we wanna be disciples. They came along and they found some disciples. In other words, they, they were believers. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Describes a lot of churches these days. And he said to them, and to what then were you baptized? And they said unto him, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying that the people, that they should believe on him who had come after him, that is Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were what? They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I want you to see, first they were disciples. And they had limited knowledge. And when Paul came along and he gave them more information, they followed up on the information that they were given and they were baptized. That's why at this church we really, really encourage immediate baptism. As soon as you have made Jesus the Lord of your life and you've repented of your sins, you need to get baptized ASAP. Why? Because that's what disciples do. Disciples obey and they obey immediately. Now, anybody else in here still working on that? I'm working on that. There's some things I'm praying about I don't need to pray about, I just need to obey. And it's my stubborn, I'll do it tomorrow type nature that keeps me from experiencing some of the things God has for me. But I'm working, anybody else working on it? I'm working on it. I'm not giving up, I'm still following. I'm not batting a thousand, but I'm still trying. Come on, is anybody still trying? That's discipleship. Discipleship is also about getting up when you fail and being like Peter. The apostle Peter failed miserably hours before Jesus was crucified, but he got back up and he preached one of the most amazing messages in church history. That's, that's what discipleship is about. Now, I want you to see that they were baptized and then see what happens next. And Paul laid his hands on them and the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. One of the first questions that Paul asked them is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And that leads me to my third point today, and that is this, this disciples seek the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I'm just going to tell you right now, if you are serious about discipleship, you need all of the Holy Spirit spirit you can get because you cannot do this on your own I cannot be like Jesus on my own I need a power in my life that is supernatural and that is the power of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost whatever you want to say whatever you want to call it get it Luke 24 49 Jesus said Behold, I'm sending the promise. Everybody say the promise. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's a promise. 
It's not a have to, it's a get to. It it doesn't make me better than you. The Holy Ghost doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. I'm not worried about you. I, I wanna be better than me. I want someone to come along beside me and help me in this life. He says, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Here's what Jesus said. Don't try to do anything until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. How many wanna see the supernatural happen in our church? How many wanna see the supernatural happen in your life? You know how we do that? The Holy Ghost. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. A few weeks ago, I was, I was preaching on Mary, and I went on a little tear about the power of the Holy Ghost. A lot of you were looking at me wild-eyed, like, where, where did this come from? I was like walking amongst pews. And, but that, we, we've got to get back to the power of the Holy Ghost. Our programs can only take us so far. Our uh, intelligence can only take us so far. We need the Holy Spirit empowering us to be the disciples. You see... The disciples, the apostles, they could not heal one person on their own. They could not deliver one person on their own. They could not cast out one demon on their own. But when they were filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, the next chapter, Acts chapter three, is when Peter is able to look at the lame man and say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I to you. Rise and walk in the name of Jesus. How did he do that? The power of the Holy Spirit. We want to be a Holy Ghost church. We want to be a spirit uh, empowered church that people know if you need prayed for, they're a little weird. But if you need a healing, go to that church. If you need a miracle, tell that church to pray. If you need God to move in, in a situation, call those people. Why? Because they have the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on, how many? What's the power? What, what did Jesus commission the disciples to do? He says, I want you to go heal the sick, cast out demons, raise up. How do we do that? The power of the Holy Ghost. The power of the Holy Ghost moving in our life. That's a part of our commission as disciples to see the supernatural flow through us. Acts 1.8, Jesus is getting ready to take off. And he says this, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want you, I want you to see this. I'm gonna make a very, very uh, dogmatic statement here. If you don't want the power of the Holy Spirit you need to question whether you really want to be a disciple. And this is where I think we've all got it all wrong, including Pentecostals. And that is our vision of discipleship is, well, let's just get some people in here and let's baptize them, let's get their sin taken care of, and then let's put them on a pew and just hope they don't mess up. And just hope that they stop sinning. And let's just hope that they live a good moral life when it's so much more than that. It's 
Come in here, get your sin taken care of, and then go change the world. Go find somebody. Go, go where? Go, go to Jerusalem. Where was that? That was home. That was their home turf. He says, don't stop there. I want you to go to Judea. What was that? Their state. Then, then he says, then Samaria, kind of the, 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 the national boundaries. And then where? Everywhere, everywhere you go. And they changed the known world at the time because you know why? They didn't stay in church buildings and think that was discipleship. Discipleship for them were, how many people were baptized today? How many people were healed how many people did we come in contact with and we give them Jesus? Not how many came up and showed up at a Bible study and we all stared at each other. Come on. Discipleship is about doing and how do we do the power of the Holy Spirit? That's why we need the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost so we can do what he has told us to do. Jesus said, John 14, he says, the helper. Everybody say the helper. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all things that I have said to you. And I've said this before, but when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like going from black and white TV to color. It's like going from black and white TV that... Maybe if you're a preacher's kid in a certain religious organization you had to have. Some of you got that. And then you step into the freedom of 70 inch ultra four, what do they call it? 4K. Come on, that should make somebody shout today. It changes your perception of everything. That's what God wants to do to you. And some of us are settling for 12 inch black and white when he wants to take us somewhere so much greater. The Holy Ghost helps us. He is our helper. And those days we wanna quit, those days we get discouraged, you know what happens? The Holy Ghost comes alongside me. Says, you are not alone. I will not leave you till the end of the why? Because it's the spirit of Jesus. It is the spirit of my rabbi raising up in me and saying, You're not done yet. God's got more. Does anybody believe that God's got more? Does anybody believe that there's greater days ahead for you? That the, you've got a mission, you've got a calling. Acts chapter two, and when the day of Pentecost arrived, remember Jesus told them, don't leave Jerusalem until you get this. And the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And by the way, that's, that's another thing disciples do. They get together with other disciples to pray. And in two weeks, everybody say two weeks. On the 28th, when we end our fast, we're having a Sunday night prayer meeting at 6 p.m., Look at your neighbor and say, I'll see you here. And we're gonna pray for fresh fire for 2024, amen. They were all together and suddenly there came from heaven like a, a sound of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each and every one of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit 
gave them utterance. And after this event, they go from a ragtag group of limited, powerless disciples to a group that changes the world. And we're here today because of their boldness. Anybody want that boldness? Amen, can we stand to our feet today? How many wants to be a disciple? How many wants the power to live out the mission of our rabbi today? It's available to you. It's available to me. And here's, here, I want you to remember my third point. Disciples seek the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what you have to do to receive the Holy Ghost? Ask for it. Ask for him. Say, come Holy Spirit. Come, fill me. And that's what we're going to do right now. If you want all that God has, if you want the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, just lift up your hands. If you're comfortable with that, lift up your hands. Say, come Holy Spirit. Fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me, God, with your passion. Fill me, oh God, Lord, with your power. Lord, I wanna see the sick healed. I wanna see, Lord, the dead raised. I wanna see, oh God, supernatural things happen in this church, happen in my family, happen, oh God, in this place, happen in our community. Lord, I wanna see the atmosphere of this community change. I wanna see the atmosphere of this state change. God, I wanna be a world changer. Does anybody wanna be a world changer? Does anybody wanna see the greatest move? of the kingdom of God. And I wanna go back to what I said at the beginning, 12 at 12. And it's been so awesome to see here in this building at noon, Baptist kids, Methodist kids, Pentecostal kids coming in at their lunchtime, praying, God, fill me with your power. God, give us revival. God, give us a move of your spirit. Come on, that's what's gonna have to happen for us to, Enter into a new dimension. I'm opening up these altars right now. Come on, if you want to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, if you need refresh today, let's fill these altars today and say, God, renew me. God, I pray, give me fresh power. If you see somebody that needs prayer today, go find them, lay your hands on them, pray for them. God, I pray, Jesus. Lord, do a new thing in my life. Do a new thing, oh God, in our church. Jesus, I pray, give us power over the enemy. In Jesus' name, we're gonna sing this song. Let's reach out. Let's gravitate towards the presence of God that's in this room right now. Does anybody feel the presence of God all over this place right now? In Jesus' name, let's begin to sing it.